This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. So let's get a great big good morning today. It's just feeling like an exceptionally good morning. So Good morning. It's great to see you folks. Great to see such a nice audience here today. And as we worship together and, and, and talk about, yeah, what does it look like to take first steps in our life? And, and I think one of the tricks is, right, is that I feel like we're always being asked to take first steps. And it goes through just a basic process. I think we repeat over and over again. We crawl. We walk. And then we learn to run. Crawl, walk, and run. Last week we looked at this idea of crawling and how, and how those first steps spiritually in our spiritual lives and our connection with God, oftentimes we don't choose them. Oftentimes they come when things are really hard. This is horrible to say, but, but if I get a call from someone saying, Chuck, I just got laid off. Can I come and talk to you? I'm thinking, this is going to be a really good meeting. <laughs> Sorry to say that. But, but that's how growth is. That's how it works. Last week, and again, I know we have lots of people here who didn't get a chance to see this, but if you do get a chance, I'd, I'd ask you to listen to it on the podcast sometime or, or ask someone around you or, or just listen back online. Last week, we had Matthew and Marjorie Pennington. Were they good or what? So Matthew is a combat-wounded vet who in April of 2006 lost his leg in combat. His wife, Marjorie, she was the one who really spoke a lot last week. And they, and they spoke about sort of how did they make their way through it. And it, it was really difficult. I mean, he had a suicide attempt, struggle with addiction, all these things. And it was four years of real, real touch and go there. But they're out the other side of it. And they know stuff now. They took steps, and they weren't steps they would have chosen. But wow, has it gotten them to a certain place. So I would like for some of you, to, those of you who weren't here last week, just to hear from the New Church Live congregation real quickly. Just, yeah, this is what I got listening to them. Just so you get a sense of what last week was like. So I'm going to ask for like three volunteers to be willing to raise their hand. I'll be running around. All I want you to do is just say, yeah, this is what I really got from them when they were speaking last week. All right? So if, like, three of you could raise your hands and I'll be running around. I felt like I got that saying in a very raw tough way, the hard times, really sharing them and and not holding back is one of the greatest gifts you can give because we couldn't have seen the journey without them being very real about the hard times. Yeah, that's beautiful, Dave. And they didn't, they didn't kind of sugarcoat it. Like it was, it was their real journey. Another one? Uh, Just their strength and commitment. (laughs) Unbelievable. Yeah, their commitment was incredible. So here's a quote for you. A commitment is an action, not an emotion. A commitment is an action, not an emotion. One more? One more, one more, one more. To continue on the commitment piece that when you want love to win, she put it first, and they're winning. (laughs) That's it. it. Thank you. Give those folks a round of applause, please. 
that, that beautiful idea of, of that simple equation like love wins and, and clearly they, they saw their way through it. I think that's what so much of that, that first steps are. You know, we just kind of crawl, crawl, crawl. And then you get to, they, they sort of had both where you could see the crawling, you could see the walking and you could definitely see the running. What I want to talk about today is the walk part. And, and I want to set it up, like, I think this is really big, actually, you know. Um, it, it's funny, being a pastor, it's so easy to fall into the belief that every week will be the most important sermon you've ever preached in your life. This week is the most important sermon I've ever preached in my life. So it's, it's a real simple equation. We can choose to be safe or brave. Let's say that together. Safe or brave. We can choose to be safe or we can choose to be brave. Now, I can step over here. I, I can choose in my life to live life in really safe ways, where I'm focused on what is predictable, what is known, and what is comfortable. I can base my whole life around that. I can, I can literally build a life around those things. Yet, life will challenge all of us. And one of the hard parts is, is that if I've based it all on this predictable stuff, all this known stuff, all this comfort stuff, how much of us, how many of us here have found our lives completely predictable? You know, it just, it doesn't happen. If we base our lives on that, we will get our pins knocked out. Inevitably. Because we've kind of set up a certain equation here. And I feel again and again to step back over here, God's asking us, yeah, I'm not promising you safety. I'm promising you to get back to what Scott said. I'm promising you love wins. Not promising you safety. I'm promising you love wins. And to do that takes a certain bravery and a certain courage to move forward in our lives. And, and that's what we're going to talk about today. Like, how do we actually do this? Because it's, 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 it's tricky. It's, it's challenging. And we, we live in a world where, where I spend probably 80% of my thought trying to be more safe. I don't spend much time trying to be more brave. I know some of you are much better at that than I am. But I really don't. And I need to look at that. And I think we all need to look at that. Maybe look at it together today. So I want to share a Bible story with you here that, that talks about kind of this, this, this part of us that can wake up and it can actually learn to participate, can learn to step into the game, can learn to be brave and courageous and move out of sort of us being asleep and being safe. And that's this story. I love this little painting here of Adam and Eve. This is from Ethiopia. Ethiopian Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, the the story, and a little background here. So the way we read the Bible in the new church is we read the Bible poetically, not literally. So that means we look at the story at the surface, and then we look down underneath the surface of the story, and and we say, oh yeah, there's a beautiful poetic truth that's a little crazy to say this. It's actually more true than the factual truth. It actually points to something even bigger. 
Uh, you know, and the Bible's obviously written that way. This is my own little rant, my own little rant. Some of you have heard it, some of you have heard it way too many times. If the Bible wasn't written that, written that way, it wouldn't make any sense. The Bible starts, Adam and Eve are created, first man, first woman. They have two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel go out and get married. You do realize that the math doesn't work there, right? And it's not that the writers of the Bible were dumb, and that was just a typo. Like, they knew that. So obviously, they're talking about something poetic here, something deeper and richer. So I'm going to share with you a story here. This is from Genesis 2. The Lord God said, it is not good for the human to be alone. I will make a helper. The Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them, and whatever the man named them as living creatures, that was their name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds, the beasts of the field. But to Adam, there was no suitable helper. So God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. So there's like the basic Bible story of, of Adam and Eve. And, and just so you know, there's a famous rib joint that's called Adam's rib. That's where they get it from. The, the story is not a literal story about, about somehow that, that a woman is made out of a man's rib. It's, it's not that at all. It's a much deeper part, a much deeper concept that, that there's something in us that needs, that, that needs to go asleep so that something else can grow, something else can be born. And it starts from this basic place. It isn't good for the human to be alone. I think we all enjoy our alone time. Could I get a big yes on that? Yes, we all enjoy our alone time. I love my alone time. For guys, guys like something known as cave time, where they can literally go and not think a single thought. Right? And I'm sure women have the same kind of thing. Um, you know, to be alone is, is a good thing. It's just to be alone forever is not, and to be lonely. That's where the challenge is. And I think most of us wrestle in our lives with feeling lonely about that deep part. So God wants something new to grow in that place. As the band comes out for their next song, I want you to think, yeah, what, what is that? What is that part of me that wants, that, that feels lonely, that that maybe it can go to sleep, like that feeling of loneliness, so that something else can start to grow. Something else can take root. Something else can be born, so that something else can wake up. And it's not a different self. It's a self that comes from who we actually are. It's a truer self. We live in that true self, folks. A lot of peace and joy there. A lot of peace and joy there. When we come back after this song, we're going to talk about, yeah, we, we, what does it look like to move from that I stand alone into, into other places of more and more contact, more and more participation, more and more connection with other people. And, and so, folks, like, it's it just, right, I, I, this Adam part that's asleep, 
So fascinating. It's Adam part, and God kind of lets that part fall asleep. You know, and I think, I think of it maybe for today, we just hold that asleep, like just asleep to the connection. Asleep to the connection that we all are to each other. You know, it's, I had the wonderful opportunity Friday night. A former swimmer of mine, as many of you know, I used to coach up in the Pocono Mountains, uh, got into the Pocono Mountain High School Hall of Fame. So I uh, got to go up there and just, just like, it just amazed me. I haven't been there, tw- it's 23 years. And I can go up there and just the connection is just incredible. By the way, some of you know this as well. A couple years ago, one of my swimmers who also is in the Hall of Fame up there told me, Chuck, just so you know, you got nominated, you just didn't get voted in. <laughs> Why did you need to tell me that? Shoot. So, uh, you know, so yeah, so, so just we're asleep to connection. I mean, it, it, right, it, it sleeps to the connection of family. Asleep to the connection of community. Asleep to our connection out there into the world. Because we just get so worried, at least for me. Like, just so worried, just so concerned. And the tapes we play in our heads so much of the time are crazy. I'm going to share with you a crazy story I had just a couple weeks ago. You know, I'm, I, we, I, we have this little tiny sort of uh, hobbit home out in Lancaster, a little tiny cabin, and, and I like to go out on a hike, and I went on a hike, and, and I see way down, it's a rail to trails, I see way down somebody running towards me, and, and they, I could see from a distance. You know how runners, real runners dress? Hint, not like this. And, uh, you know, they even have like the little backpack with a little straw thingy on. And, and I had my phone like this, and I started panicking, thinking, what are they going to, th- they're going to think I'm a nerd. I better put my phone, you know. That's, cr- how many of you would, do- somebody better raise their hand. How many of you would do that? Right? Like, we just, that's crazy. I'm 54 years old. I'm never going to see this person again because they're running the opposite direction. And I'm worried what they're going to think about my phone in my, in my pocket. Nuts. Please don't leave church. Nuts. You know, and, and that's, I think, the point. It's like, like, for us to start with connection, we have to start with the point that we're all crazy. I mean, Anne Lamont said it as well as anybody. It's okay to realize that you're very crazy and very damaged because all the best people are. <laughs> I think that is incredibly true. And, and there's a part of us that's just, that's part of the human condition. There's a part of us that goes to sleep. And then here's God saying, yeah, it's not good. Loneliness isn't good. So I'm going to actually have something grow out of you, out of this person. And it doesn't destroy that former person. It's just that person is asleep. And that person wakes up in a new way with a help, with a helper. And I think that's waking up to connection. Waking up to connection. Now, what does this mean? Like, in New Church, uh, you know, Manuel Swedenborg, Manuel Swedenborg is to us what Martin Luther is to Lutherans. And, and he talked about, yeah, that, that deeper meaning, that poetic sense, that inner meaning underneath the words. This is what he said about Eve. A living autonomy brought to life by God. It's, it's that aliveness, folks. It's, it's alive, it's independent, but it's connected at the same time. I think that's what living autonomy is talking about, that, that that's what God seeks to breathe life into. And it, it comes out of a bone, which is a pretty dead thing. 
But it's pointing to that something beautiful comes out of that time when we're asleep. That there's a plan. And, and I want you to hear this carefully. All these stories in here, guys, these, these are the stories of your life. It's not a list of things you need to do. This is what God is doing right now in your life. He's moving you towards a part where a helper can arrive, a certain other part of you can grow, that is really this living autonomy that really can, can move into this connection in new ways. And so, so what does that mean, this living autonomy? Next slide. See, we awaken to being part of something more than just, say the O word there, more than just observing. We see we are part of. We are part of it. Not on the sidelines. We may not be the center of it. We may not be the most important part of it. God always thinks you're the most important part of it, by the way. But you may not be the most important part of it. But that awakening starts to occur when you realize you are part of it. You are part of this blessed thing which we call life. This next slide is when I hope you allow to just kind of really sink in because I think this is so important and so important for our age to understand how this living autonomy, stepping into the game, you know, this idea of walking in, this idea of choosing courage over safety, you know, where this kind of comes true, which means we participate more than critique. We have to learn to participate more than critique. This is a question I probably shouldn't ask. Do we have any Walt Disney movie Ratatouille fans who like the movie Ratatouille? All right. The movie Ratatouille. What was the name of the restaurant critic in the movie Ratatouille? Not all of you will know this, so I'm sorry. Ego. Isn't that interesting? The restaurant critic, not a chef, was known as Ego. Folks, I think that's what our ego does, because maybe, listen to this, try this on, maybe the safest place we can be is to just be a critic. Maybe the safest place we can be is to just be a critic. Because then, at least for me, then I don't need to own the results. I can just critique. You can see how challenging that can be. Brene Brown put it really well. She said, you know, when we think about who our board of directors is, who are who the people we invite around the table to offer us input, it's important to realize who's at that table. Folks, is it important to be able to hear criticism well? Yes or no? Yes, absolutely. Just don't tell me criticism right after the service. Give me 15 minutes. All right? It's important to hear the criticism. Really important. But not all criticism is created equally. I want to give you a little rule. Maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, maybe I'm going to overstate it. Maybe the only criticism that really counts are from people who are trying to do what you're trying to do. Maybe the only criticism that really counts is from people trying to do what you're trying to do. 
I think about, you know, my mind was on sports this weekend, and, and you know, it was, was interesting because I coached swimming, I coached freshman football, which is an adventure in itself. And it was just interesting, you know, as, as a coach, you know, became a lightning rod, as all of us do, you know, for feedback from parents, criticism on occasion, some which was good, some wasn't. But it's, it's interesting how many people criticize what, pick, pick it, right? I'll just pick football, can criticize football, but have never played the game or coached. I realize that's all, like, about half of all Eagles fans and Steelers fans right there, right? Well, you know, that our team, Chuck, they just, man, if they only passed more. You know that? Like, we know that? That, that idea of, of, of criticism where, where we're not actually in the arena. But folks, this is the challenge. I think a lot of the time we think when we're being critical, offering our critique, we're actually doing something. That's confusing activity and effectiveness. There are times where we need to say things. There are times where there are spaces for viable, life-giving, important, critical critique. Incredibly important. I mean, every week we actually meet for an hour every Tuesday to talk about all the stuff that we kind of didn't do terribly well on Sunday, as well as the stuff that we did do well. But I know the people around that table. They're doing it out of love. And they're doing it because they care. I think that's the kind of criticism that matters. And that kind of criticism, proper criticism, proper participation, that moves us into courage. That moves us into bravery. That moves us out from just this constant, constant desire for safety. And it gives us this, folks. It gives us a brand new autonomy. A brand new autonomy. And once we see our our place and we feel that we're an autonomous being within that, life somehow becomes less and less about us. And more and more about the task. So even when criticism comes our way, it's, it's not personal. I mean, I still struggle with taking it personally, but it, it's less and less that way. Because there's a bigger purpose we're out for. There's something greater we wish in life. Remembering, optimistic people are always going to be a little bit disappointed. And that's okay. It's okay. I want to now close the service, folks, with the Holy Supper, with communion. As a way for us to think, I'm going to ask you, you know, think about participation. Think about stepping into the game. Think about courage for you and your family. What does that look like? How can we bless that? How can we, we get how connected all of us are? This is my little sermonette. Again, many of you have heard it many times, but it's so important. The word communion or Holy Supper goes back, for those of you who are unaware, to, to Jesus before he gets crucified, which is part of the whole Easter holiday. He has this dinner. He has this dinner. They're all sitting around as part of this Passover. And, and he says this beautiful line. He says, I have been so looking forward to eating this meal with you. In other words, I couldn't wait to have dinner with you. 
And that's why the word Eucharist, which you'll sometimes hear, Eucharisto means to give thanks. And when you take the Eucharist, you are considered a celebrant, which I love. Like, that's so good. This is something we celebrate. We celebrate this connection. We celebrate this participation. We, we celebrate this coming together. I think in terms of, of it, I love these words of Rachel Held Evans, an amazing theologian who recently passed. The gospel doesn't need a coalition devoted to keeping the wrong people out. Amen. It needs a family of sinners saved by grace, committed to tearing down the walls, throwing open the doors, and shouting, welcome. welcome. And shouting, welcome. That's what we're going to do here. And I want you to think, you know, I want you to think like looking at this next picture, you know, thinking about groups, thinking about participation, thinking about how that looks and being prayerful as best you can. Like, where can we help you to have just a little bit more courage in your life? Where can we join together as a group to support each other? just having a little more courage in life. It's just stepping into the game just a little more to try to make a difference. To try to remind ourselves again and again, God doesn't promise safety. What he promises is love. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv.